0: So Money, Episode 1244, Navigating Healthcare and Negotiating Medical Bills with Dan Weissman, host of An Arm and a Leg Podcast.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. One thing that's true is like errors are common. That's one thing I've learned from talking to people who who work with insurance, who work in insurance, who work in billing offices. Like happens all the time.
0: Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. You know, I started a new job recently and I'm at a crossroads trying to figure out which health insurance to take on. I have my husband's health insurance that I've been on for many years that he gets through his employer. Now working with Red Ventures and CNET, they have their own health plan and I'm trying to figure out if it makes sense to switch. My gut is telling me just go with the flow, stay with the plan you have, don't rock the boat, But if there's significant savings to be had, it's worth considering, right? Anyway, all this to say, the focus of today's podcast will be health care. This is something we all have a story about, right? Whether we are on our own health insurance plan because we're self-employed, we get it through our employer, or we have nothing and we're trying to figure out how to get coverage. Our guest is Dan Weissman, who is a former reporter for Marketplace and WBEZ. He has recently started his own podcast called An Arm and a Leg, exploring the crazy costs of healthcare and what we can all do to navigate it. As Dan says, there's no magic that can fix the mess of American healthcare, but he does offer his listeners, and on the show today, he'll talk about some of the ways to navigate the system and feel like you're winning Learn how to evaluate your insurance, for one, especially if you get to choose a plan. Uh, Dan talks about how to negotiate for a better price, the importance of shopping around, and how never to take a bill at face value because there is often a mistake. Here's Dan Weissman. Dan Weissman, welcome to So Money. How are you?
1: I'm great, Furnish. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I am thrilled to have you on the show. You're covering a very difficult topic on your podcast, but always in your signature approachable style, your podcast is called An Arm and a Leg, uh, helping Americans navigate, uh, and in some cases, combat this debacle that is our current healthcare system. Uh, You described this as one of the toughest parts of financial adulting. I couldn't agree more. Uh, We're going to get into some of these surprisingly helpful saving strategies that you've unveiled and continue to unveil on your podcast. But I understand that your motivation for this and you come to this with so much radio and broadcast experience, reporting, investigative reporting experience, you wanted to focus on healthcare because you had personal
1: experiences with this. Yeah. And I mean, like me and everybody else, we're like, who doesn't? In my case, in my case, I would say going back a really long time, I was, I have a congenital heart condition. Uh, it doesn't bother me, doesn't, doesn't impact my life, but I need to get uh, monitored every year or two to make sure nothing bad's happening. And uh, you know, the first time I left a job and thought I would go out on my own, I was like, oh, I'm going to need health insurance. And this was in pre-Obamacare days. And insurance companies were like, nah, you can't have health insurance. Uh, you have a pre-existing condition. And there was some very expensive Workaround through the state called a risk pool for people like me, of which there are zillions, where I paid extra high premiums for uh, insurance that didn't cover the one thing you know that could potentially be a big deal for me. And I was like, "This sucks. This is terrible." And like everybody else, you know, I just got medical bills and was like, "This is weird. Why is this so high?" And so the the thing that, but the thing that tipped me over the edge was. You know, I left another job. This is much more recently. This is in 2017. And I was like, you know, what's really terrible about this is that uh, I think the next step for me is doing my own thing. But how the heck can I do that if I need to buy my own health insurance and it needs to cover the specific doctors that I see? And like, I think I might need a new career. So that was really it for me. I was like, I was like, I was like, I think I need a new career, which sucks because I really like this one. And I was like, you know, I might not be the only person who has this problem. (laughs)
0: Not even close. You know, it's interesting. We just finished recently on this podcast, a whole week on helping people navigate quitting their jobs, as you probably have been reading about this great resignation. But what's giving a lot of people pause and not just now, but always and always has given people pause is how am I going to secure my benefits? If I'm, whether it's the gap in between now and the next job, or I'm going to become an entrepreneur, start my own thing. How is, I mean, we know we can go to the marketplace and we know there's Cobra. But still, it terrifies us. What's your advice?
1: Oh, man, I wish I had good advice for this. Like, oh, I have the key that unlocks this. It's going to solve all your problems. I don't. You're absolutely right. Cobra is there, part of the stimulus package passed early this year, makes Cobra in some cases much more affordable for a lot of people. So that's good news, something to know about. Also, that same stimulus included bigger subsidies for plans on the marketplace. And in some cases for folks with lower incomes, or if you've been on unemployment this year, they can be like, you you could end up in a plan that costs you nothing, uh, which is kind of amazing. Like no zero premiums and incredibly heavily subsidized co-pays and co-insurance. I mean, that's like, if you happen to be in that position, that could be really good for you. But on the whole, it's like, mm, no. And I think your listeners will already be in a position to avoid the kind of worst case scenario mistakes that people make, like, oh, you might look up, like, we're gonna get health insurance and find someone saying, Oh, I can sell you health insurance that's really cheap. Uh, and they'll be trying to sell you what's called a non-compliant plan, it doesn't comply with the requirements of the Affordable Care Act, which means, yeah, the the premium may be cheap, but it's like, it's like the person who wants to sell you car insurance for $5 a month. It's just like not going to be there for you if you need it. Um, so that's a so that's one thing. The other thing is. And again, your listeners will probably be hip to this, but most of us are terrible at choosing health insurance.
0: Well, and I read, I was reading on your website that I, I was surprised to hear that a lot of us end up choosing the wrong plan insofar yeah. as if, we're, if our goal is to try to find the, like, optimize, right, the plan yeah. that's going to give us the most benefits, the least cost, we
1: often go the wrong way. And it's not our fault. It's really complicated. It's super complicated. It's super complicated. And it and it's, in many ways, it's beyond most of us. So I, I talked with an economist who had studied this and he, he had a natural experiment available to him where he had data from the HR department of a giant corporation that he was consulting for, and they had given their employees a giant matrix of plans to choose from. It's like choose your own adventure. And what, and what he found with a colleague was that most of those plans were objectively bad. And what it means for a plan to be objectively bad is, you know, you want to – what you're looking for, and we're going to get to the how do I choose part now – what you want to do is you want to kind of run a simulation, essentially, a, a pair of simulations. And one of them is, like, what happens? What do I, what's my out of pocket in this plan, paying premiums, whatever else, in a year when nothing unexpected bad happens to me? You know, vanilla year for me. What does that look like? What am I, you know, if I go to the doctors I usually go to or don't see any doctors at all because I'm super healthy, like, what does that look like for me? And then what does it look like for me if, God forbid, I get hit by a bus? And then what happens? Then what? Th- how much could I be on the hook for? And there are there a lot of these plans. Were plans where they were worse in both cases than many other plans. And so he and a colleague looked at that, and they found that most people chose plans that were in the category of being objectively bad. And they're like. That is super interesting. Like are there any objectively good plans though? I mean, well, there are objectively less there are objectively less bad plans, right? I mean, they, right? Objectively worse. These are objectively worse plans and they uh and so they were like, well, huh, why is this? And they they ran a bunch of then kind of more controlled experiments where they gave people quizzes, they asked people questions, they gave people simulated versions of choosing their own adventure. And one thing they found is like most of us do not even understand the vocabulary. Again, your listeners will probably understand this, but it's like, what's a deductible? It's the amount you pay out of pocket before your insurance kicks in anything. What's a copay? Well, that's kind of straightforward. It's where you go to the doctor and like, that'll be 20 bucks. What's co-insurance a little trickier this is like okay you got to go to the hospital they pay they're like 80 20 they pay 80 you pay 20% which is a lot that's your co-insurance there's all that and then there's more and more and more and more and more and most of us you know that all makes sense to people who live and breathe health insurance because it's their job but for most of us we're like what is all this and they make it more complicated all the time because they're always looking for ways to spend less money on us so that's one. It's just studying up, knowing the terms.
0: Have you discovered any good free resources to help you matrix this? I feel like this is a great app someone could develop. You know, plug in your best case, worst case scenario years, and we'll tell you which plan. But then there's so many plans; it's going to be quite a. It's going to have to be a pretty technical
1: app, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah right. What do we Will got? Will HR help us with this? Can they may. We... They, okay. they may. I mean, so there are there are companies you can check in. There are there are companies that do attempt to provide this service, and they sell themselves to employers, right? Like, here's a tool you can give your employees. Like, I'm not vouching for the one that your employer might have for you, but they exist. There's even and and some states uh, also work with a company called uh, I think called Consumer Checkbook. It's a nonprofit that started out doing this very thing for federal employees who have to choose benefits, and then rolled it out and made it available to states for their Obamacare exchanges. And so if you're in a state, there's like half a dozen states that they work with, you can get that kind of thing. Um, the healthcare.gov site and other sites that, that act as brokers do some of this for you, but it's really complicated. And honestly, my wife and I changed insurance last year. We work with our broker, and it was, it was more. It was because... In addition to everything else, now there was like a, top, a tier one network of providers and a tier two network of providers with different deductibles and different copays. So everything was like just five times more math. I'm not giving you that. Like, so you're asking me, like, hey Dan, what do I do? And the answer is, I think, is really like I learned this from a reporter named Zachary Tracer at Business Insider, who wrote up how he chose his health insurance. And the picture illustrating that essay shows him. At a desk, with a spreadsheet and a pencil and paper and a glass of adult beverage, um, just like with it, with like with like his head resting on one hand, like it sucks. It's hard. You kind of have to approach it like, what is this Bitcoin thing I keep hearing about? Question like,
0: everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Well, that's why we should listen to your podcast, An Arm and a Leg. And I want to give listeners some positive, like inspiration. There's so many great stories that you've unveiled on your show of people who have successfully negotiated bills or sent appeals to their insurer. And I think this is important to cover because we often feel like it's us versus the big, the big healthcare. The little guy can win many in many times.
1: It is us versus the big healthcare, which totally, totally, not to sugarcoat it, stinks. But there, yeah, there's definitely things we can do. And you always want to be asking yourself, what am I prepared to do? There's one list of things that I would just call due diligence, right? That Because one thing that's true is like errors are common. That's one thing I've learned from talking to people who, who work with insurance, who work in insurance, who work in billing offices, like happens all the time. And so that's the first step is like – which is already more of a pain in the butt than you want it to be because, you know, you 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 get seen – yeah, you get seen and like now I've got five bills from this medical encounter and one – some of them are from providers I never heard of and now I'm getting five things from my insurance company that say this is not a bill, right? I mean this is like if anything gets at all complicated, that's – the due diligence, I don't want to minimize it. Like the things I think that you probably – that that I know you talk about all the time, about just like being organized, having a mindset where I'm taking time to take care of myself financially. I
0: mean, we we read about how healthcare costs, medical bills are uh, the leading cause of bankruptcy in this country. And I wonder if if those Americans knew they could negotiate or combat some of these bills, maybe it would have prevented them from from bankruptcy. I don't know. Um, But this is, again, why it's important to know, first of all, that your bill could be wrong. Eight out of 10 times I've read in some cases, there's a mistake. There's a mistake on that bill. I have had that happen. And, And so what's the first step when you notice Something that's wrong. Do you call the medical provider? Do you call the insurance company? Like who, who, what's the first call?
1: Yeah, it depends on, depends on what you're discovering, right? Like something you're being billed for, your insurance doesn't seem to be recording any instance of it. Call your insurance, insurance company. Hey, did you get a bill for this? And if they haven't, you can call the medical provider and be like, hey man, you didn't bill my insurance. And they should be like, oh, yeah, that'd be a good idea. We could get money right away from them. So that's one thing you can do. If if you're being billed for something that did not happen, you're like – you see this and you're like, uh, I, nobody poked my arm. I didn't get that. Um, you know, work – you got to work every angle, right? Call the provider. Call the insurance company. And this, unfortunately, the due diligence part can get very hairy, like – Your insurance may have, for instance, your insurance may say like, well, you know, we paid our 80% of that and we're not, we're, we're not going into a dispute about that. Like, I'm sorry you're on the hook for 20% of this lots of money if this is something that happened to you, but like, you know, there, there, I want to, I want to be cautioned, like things can get very stupid, very fast.
0: I just want to remind also, and maybe you've experienced this, um, that we forget we have rights. And I remember I had to call my insurance company years ago because I got a a bill that was completely wrong. It was like the wrong date. It was, there was a procedure at some point, but they had like double recorded it. And I was long story short, I called the insurance company. and, And at this point, the letters were getting aggressive, like you haven't paid. And I was like, this is not even a real thing. And this never, this date is wrong. This, And so I called the insurance, my insurance company. I said, I'm getting kind of harassed by this third party billing collection agency. And she immediately got that company on the phone and said, if you call are, I guess, what am I to them? I'm their client. They're insured. They're yeah, insured. Right. If you call her yeah. one more time or send her one more letter, like you are violating her rights and any communication you need done, you need to call us uh, or, or the hospital, because this, this is like, in, you know, there's an error here. And as me, the insured, I, I should not be kind of at the, the the target here, um, which I was really delightfully surprised that I had advocacy at the insurance company. I was completely excited expecting long waits, bureaucracy, like red tape, all that. And I was quickly serviced, which was delightful. That is
1: awesome. That's like the best story I've ever heard, actually.
0: I wonder, I want to say it was Blue Cross. Uh, I don't remember. It was years ago. It was was like before I had my kids, but it was, I mean, it was a bright spot,
1: let's just say. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I've learned too, is that, is that you, you you want to keep knocking on all the doors because you just don't know who's going to be on the other side. And it could be something, somebody who's ready to help you. Like there's no guarantee that that making the right calls and doing right everything, I mean, this is the sad, sad part, will will get you what you want. But it also is true that like you may reach like you may get help when you're not necessarily expecting it. One of the most helpful people I ever talked with was an actual self-defense expert. Um <laughs>
0: Taekwondo, karate. Well, no, what? just
1: like what's called empowerment self-defense. These are people who teach oh, okay. class of like, hey, what <laughs> happens if you get, you know, if somebody comes at you? And and this this school of self-defense, this way of thinking about it, is is it's not actually just about a physical confrontation. Their job is to really prepare you for anybody who's trying to kind of encroach on your boundaries, right? Who's 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 bothering you in a way that you don't deserve, um, which we don't deserve to be bothered. And so and th- and she said like this is this is an Working with dealing with the healthcare system is a great instance of like where you are. You have to kind of have a strategy for dealing with it and execute on it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up my notes from because I want to quote her exactly what she said because I think it's just one of my favorite things anyone's ever said to me. She said, "You want to ground yourself in the fact that your strategy is to remain calm and confident while still being very assertive and persistent." doesn't mean you have to feel great about what's happening or you aren't upset in the way people are treating you. It means that as a strategy, you're choosing to use this persona, this calm, confident, assertive, persistent persona to try and get what you need.
0: Well, if that's not a mindset training, you know, like life is busy and hard and and this is not a little thing. It's your health insurance. All of us will most likely need to rely on this at some point, it's it's highly risky when you don't have it. But that's that is helpful reminders for the time we have left. I'd love to also explore negotiating. So I was able to one time going to my dentist. I had to get I think it was a uh, a filling or a root canal, something quite invasive that was going to be like oh two or three visit procedure, and it was going to be a lot of money. Uh, but when when I said to him, well. How can we make this lower without compromising the work that needs to get done? And he said, you know what? He thought about it. He said, if we spread this out, it was already like the fall of the year. It was we're we getting towards the end of the year. He's like, if we spread out these procedures so that we do maybe the first one in November and then the follow-ups in January, which which is not harmful, we could we could spread it out a little bit, then in January, your insurance renews, and now you have you have more uh, money available to you to use up for that year, as opposed to you know what it was going to happen was I was going to use up all my insurance for dental that year if if we were going to rush it and do it all before the end of the year, and it was going to be more out of pocket for me. So this, I think, the lesson here is just. Speak up for yourself. Don't assume that the first estimate you get from your doctor, whether it's your dentist or your dermatologist or your surgeon is the final that there is your, I, this is the great speaking of favorite quotes a long time ago, I did a a, a report on, you know, how to negotiate your medical bills. And I think it was someone at consumer reports who said, let's not forget that your doctor is also your fiduciary and has to also have your best financial interest in mind. When they're advocating for you, it's not just medically advocating, but also financially advocating. Hopefully, I mean, that's they're your fiduciary. So go with that, with that baseline understanding. And I think you're going to find success in that as you try to navigate this
1: and save money. Absolutely, absolutely. I've had the same kind of experience where we... I lost a medical device on the train, and oh. getting it, it was it was bad. It was bad, and and it wasn't. It was like new to me. My insurance wasn't gonna replace it. There was all kinds of business I needed. I needed to both. As it happened, my insurance hadn't fully paid for it. They were renting it in case I stopped using it or anything. So I was gonna be on the hook for more than a thousand dollars. In addition gosh. to having to like go buy myself another one on the market someplace, because uh, that was the price my insurance company had agreed to pay. And we called. The, the provider's office, we were like, hey, this is what happened. Uh, that amount that the insurance would pay, could you do any less for us? Because we, you know, we're not the insurance company and we're really just doing our best. And they were like, yeah, we could. And, you know, we wow. ended up being like 300 bucks for them, which was, you know, sucked. But it was not like paying $1,000 to them for this unfortunate occurrence. So, yeah, people, again, like you, you come in a spirit of, of good faith, ask for what you want. And you can sometimes get it. There's there's a couple of other instances where um, I think it's really important to mention, where you can where you can get yourself help. And one of them is by saying, for instance, "What if I paid you cash?" <laughs> right? Um, what if I paid you now? If you can, if you're in a position to do it, often they'll be like, "Great, I'll take that up front rather than try to chase you for more." And in many cases, nonprofit hospitals. If you're unfortunate enough to have a large bill from one, um, are basically obligated by law to provide financial assistance to have financial assistance policies, and many of them have policies that are, what well, I would say, are surprisingly generous because they recognize that that the amount that we're stuck with, even after insurance, may be more than we can afford to pay, and it's a kind of low ROI enterprise for them to chase us for ten thousand dollars that we don't have. Many of us just don't have it, right? Um, and so they would rather write that off up front, and so you know, ask, look, you can look it up on the internet. They're obligated to post it, and just see, like, maybe you qualify for assistance from the place where you've been seen. Awesome.
0: I know I, I've often referenced healthcarebluebook.com. Mm-hmm. How have you been? Um, have you ever used it, or have? What do you think of it?
1: Yeah, I think healthcarebluebook. There's another site called Fair Health consumer.org where that you can use to basically get a reference of like what what's a what's the going rate in my area right for a thing that I might need and if you can use it you can use it on the front end to be like oh I could go over here and pay less because I know that this is kind of the going rate. And I can shop around till I find someone who's given me a reasonable rate if I trust them medically. You can also use it on the back end. This is if you've really got some moxie. You're being billed for some ridiculous amount. And I've seen this happen. You know, for I talked to somebody whose baby got an MRI and they were, the the, the line on the bill was $26,000. Right? My goodness, which, which is not the going rate for an MRI.
0: Can we talk about behind the scenes, right? So I feel as though one of the reasons the medical system is so corrupt and the trickle down to the consumer is so harsh because, well, I'll give you an example. When I was in going to deliver my son, it was like midnight, a little bit past midnight. And so the hospital, uh, the front door was closed. The only entrance was the emergency room entrance. Uh, well, when I got the itemized bill, which thankfully we had insurance covered most of it, I was able to see what the hospital was charging the insurance company. And the hospital said it was an emergency room entry. I think it was like $1,600. And so they made money off that. And it wasn't a false report, but it was not totally truthful because the real the reality was they closed the front door. So had they closed the front door, had they left the front door open, it wouldn't have an, an emergency room entry and it would not have, they would not have made that $1,600. And I wonder, hmm, was that an intentional thing? You know, I mean, I guess they'd have to hire a security for the front door. Like it is a cost for them, but what's the difference? I literally, it's like going in through the back door, went through up an elevator. I was in the emergency room for a millisecond. It wasn't like, you know, you go into the emergency room and you wait for three hours to get stitches. It was like, oh, you're in labor here, come this way. And it was a detour and they got $1,600 for a detour. And I was like, huh, that's one example of how one hospital is fleecing (laughs) the insurance companies. And if I didn't have insurance, would I have had to pay for that $1,600 entry? That's not fair, right?
1: No kidding. I mean, this makes me so mad. It's so, it's so <laughs> right? horrible. It's. I mean, the, the. I mean, that that's the that's the worst thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can you can totally break it down from their side. Like, well, we were then our rights. We did it this way. And like, what recourse do you have? The worst case of this that I've I've that I've seen reported yet were that there are hospitals in New York that were that have set up like storefront ERs, and uh and then they would put sandwich signs outside saying like, hey, come in for your free COVID test. And the COVID test is free when they charge you this, what they call facility fee for using the emergency oh, room. Oh, please.
0: That's just wrong. We're in a pandemic, people. Oh Give me a break. <laughs> Lastly, though, uh, maybe something also encouraging for listeners is that you have found some success through your you know guests that people have gone to social media to express what their issues over healthcare and whether that's getting information or money or what, how can we use social media to our advantage if we are in a healthcare bind?
1: Yeah, that is such a good question. I think, I think in some instances you can like, if you're, if you're the kind of person who has a big personality and people respond to you on social media, someplace like Twitter or Reddit, like you could, you can really embarrass that outlet and they could do something for you. But I think what you've mentioned is another really good question is like, is is you can seek information and people are very eager, whether wherever your community is or you know how to reach people, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Reddit, that, you know, posting your question someplace about what to do can give you a lot of information. And because, I mean, it's one of the things about doing this show is like, I want to be helpful and give people advice. But honestly, every single instance is its own monster, right? Like, There's no, like, we've we've now talked about, like, five different things in the last 20 minutes, Um, and there's so many millions of particular things that can go wrong, but you're not the only person to have encountered this monster at all. Each of these awful things happens to lots of people, and, yeah, going out to places like Reddit, places like Twitter, places like Facebook, and asking for advice— is i mean and searching on google but like but but where you get live humans who are very very eager to be like oh yeah here uh, i mean <laughs> I, I mean I've you could you one. could sense the the
0: the conviction in my my storytelling right i mean th- this is stuff that really hits home for so many people and whether i i see it all the time daily in my in our facebook chat room whether it's like who what dermatologists do you recommend or i had a terrible experience delivering my kid at the hospital do you know any lawyers you know um people are like 35 comments later within minutes um so it is great but also an indication that there are there's a lot to repair in our system and thank you so much for the tireless efforts of your podcast an arm and a leg everybody check it out dan weissman congrats on the show and thank you for your service
1: thank you so much for having me it's great to talk with you
0: Thanks again to Dan for joining us. Check out An Arm and a Leg podcast at anarmandalegshow.com. And there you can learn more about the episodes and get in touch with Dan. See you back here on Friday for Ask Farnoosh. I hope your day is so money.